Good evening. My name is Alcinda Honwana, and I am a Centennial Professor here at uh, LSE. And today I'm happy to announce the launch of Citing Africa, a podcast that explores the production of knowledge in and about Africa. The Citing Africa team, composed by Laura Mann, Seremaya Wulobi, and team Inan Elkadi, conducted research and a series of interviews to investigate inequalities in international education and the kinds of knowledge produced, consumed, and cited about Africa. They produced nine episodes, which will be released over the next nine weeks, on the website of the Africa Center. And this is the link, so please take note and share it with your friends, acquaintances, uh, share it widely, please. And Citing Africa will be released uh, along with blog posts that will follow the podcasts. And people are encouraged to share ideas and viewpoints on Twitter. So if someone has a burning idea about a podcast, please get in touch with the Citing Africa team. So tonight's launch event, which is part of the LSE's Festival on World Disorders, will focus on decolonizing curriculum. This topic is really befitting the theme of the festival because decolonizing is a process of disordering the established order. But what is decolonization and what do we mean by decolonizing the academy or the curriculum? Let me start by sharing a few interesting quotes, if I know what to do. So, Ngugi Wationgo, a Kenyan novelist, said, and I quote, decolonization is about rejecting the centrality of the West in Africans' understanding of itself and its place in the world. It is about recentering ourselves intellectually and culturally. Another interesting quote from Fanon in The Wretched of the, of the Earth, and Fanon says, decolonization is a process of remaking, a violent phenomenon that has as its goal the creation of a new humanity. I'll also share a quote by Maldonado Torres, a Puerto Rican theorist of modernity and decoloniality that states that decoloniality requires that the institutions that are meant to serve society become a space that critically assess and seek to dismantle the imperatives of white privilege and superiority instead of serving as their guardian. The very act of decolonizing generates anxiety and settles one's sense of well-being and belonging and calls identities into question. And finally, uh, a quote by Boaventura Sousa Santos, 
a Portuguese sociologist, who asserts that decolonizing is fundamental to address what he calls epistemicide, the murder of knowledge. And he says that the colonization project involved the destruction of the social practices and the disqualification of the social agents that operate according to such knowledge. And therefore, through these quotes, we can see that processes of decolonization constitute intense undertakings that require fundamental and profound systemic change. And historically in Africa, decolonization processes have been linked to the anti-colonial liberation struggles in the ex-Portuguese colonies, for example, my own country, Mozambique, Angola, Guinea-Bissau, Cabo Verde, that had long processes of war struggling against colonialism. But it's also linked to movements such as Pan-Africanism, Negritude, Black Consciousness, African Renaissance, and other. Within the academy, decolonization has meant the establishment of alternative epistemologies of knowledge and the production of new intellectual capital. And we have seen that through several studies, like subaltern studies, when South, African, South Asian scholars in the 70s and 80s uh, looked at the way, using the Grams, Gramsci's uh, term, adopted term, of subaltern, which means those of inferior rank, uh, to look at the marginalized, to look at the colonized. But also in critical race theory, several studies were made in which race was examined as a socially constructed category rather than a biological one. But also feminist theory gave a lot of contributions to decolonization theory, and also dependency theory and the famous Dar es Salaam school, and we might, might all remember the Walter Rodney and how Europe developed Africa and all the, the, the things that followed from there in the development of dependency theory. And nowadays, we had the hashtag Roads Must Fall movement that started at UCT in South Africa in 2015 and then spread to other African universities, but also to Oxford University here in UK. And we will hear about this a little more when Simukai shares some of his uh, thoughts with us. And these movements, these contemporary movements, are really contesting the dominance of Western epistemologies, methodologies, and scholarship, as well as the silencing of alternative voices and sites of knowledge production. And they are calling for an increased student and faculty diversity in centers of knowledge production. They are also calling for greater representation of non-whites uh, and more diversity of knowledge and perspectives in the curriculum. I just want to share with you this graph that I found, uh, in fact, a friend of mine found and sent it to me this morning. 
because she knew I was preparing the talk. It was in The Guardian. So it's the number of male professors in the UK's academy, and this is a statistical report of 2018. As you can see, of 14,205 male professors, more than 12,000 are white, and also only nine are black. This is about female professors. Of the UK's 4,735 female professors, more than 4,000 are white, while only 25 are black women. So in a way, this illustrates the whole movement and why and the importance of bringing new perspectives and uh, decolonizing the academy and the curriculum. Decolonizing the curriculum, however, it's not just about content or adding a few new sources or alternative knowledge here and there, but it's essentially about changing power relations in teaching and learning processes. We need to focus on the relationship between knowledge and power. Ask new sets of questions. Interrogate established assumptions. Resurface subjugated knowledge and recenter the knowledge production process. In conclusion, I would say that decolonizing curriculum calls for a deep understanding of how colonial domination and white supremacy informed and shaped current institutional cultures, values, practices, processes, appointments, curriculum, etc. And universities should not be static or ideological zombies, as my friend Soren Pillay puts it. Universities must be sites of ongoing critique and debate, sites of innovation and renewal, sites of subversion and rebellion. And tonight, this session aims at enlarging our conversations, our analysis and investigations of decolonization in the sphere of knowledge production and higher education. And we have this excellent panel of thinkers that is going to guide us through this conversation tonight. And um, I'm very pleased to be among them and I'm going to introduce our first speaker, Dr. Simukai Shigudu. He's an associate professor of African politics and a fellow at St. Anthony College at Oxford University. Dr. Shigudu has been working on the social politics of inequality in Africa, using disease, public health, violence, and social suffering as organizing frameworks for both historical and contemporary case studies. He has conducted research in Zimbabwe, Uganda, the Gambia, Tanzania, and South Africa. And prior to joining the academy, he was a medical doctor with the UK's National Health Service. And he has published extensively and is currently finishing a monograph entitled The Political Life 
of an, epidem of an epidemic, cholera, crisis, and citizenship in Zimbabwe. So, Simukai, the floor is yours. Well, thank you kindly for that warm introduction. Um, it's absolutely wonderful uh, to be here and to see such a fantastic collection of diverse faces interested in this uh, project of decolonization. Now, just this afternoon, uh, before I left Oxford, I was attending um, a governing body meeting for St. Anthony's College. Uh, one of the privileges or burdens, uh, depending on your perspective, uh, when you become uh, an associate professor uh, at, at Oxford is you have to sit um, as a fellow in, in one of the colleges and govern it, apparently. Um, and at the meeting, one of the rituals we had to go through was for me to introduce myself to the governing body for the first time, outlining my background, my history, my scholarship, and so forth. So I told uh, my colleagues a little bit about myself and then signaled that um, my new research agenda was going to be moving more into the, the politics of knowledge production uh, and contrasting the social and the global health sciences and creating um, an image and idea of Africa. Uh, and crucial to this project uh, was what I called disrupting whiteness. And in fact, I, I told my colleagues that I'd be coming to, uh, to the LSC this evening to, to, get, to, to share a few thoughts on what it might mean to disrupt whiteness. Uh, the silence was deafening. <laughs> Um, none of my colleagues particularly saw the, uh, the, the, the humor or uh, uh, intellectual impetus behind such a, a, a project. Uh, and in fact, afterwards, one of them pulled me aside, absolutely delighted that I'd come forward and said, I think that's the first time that the phrase disrupting whiteness has ever been used um, in this college or in a governing body meeting. Um, so with that in mind, uh, that's the theme I'm going to speak to this evening. And I will be speaking very much uh, from my vantage point as, um, as an associate professor in Oxford University, um, as a young black African trying to make his way through the world and through the academy. Now, in December 2015, Will Hutton, a uh, noted and celebrated political economist, left-wing commentator and columnist for The Guardian, um, wrote an op-ed in which he said that were it not for the legacies of the British Empire, South Africa would descend into unaccountable despotism um, as embodied by then-President Jacob Zuma. Uh, Mr. Hutton went on to argue that indeed it was empire that had bequeathed South Africa with such institutions as the courts, constitutionalism, rule of law, freedom of speech, freedom of association, and democracy. Uh, one inevitably wonders what history books Mr. Hutton has been reading that somehow equated apartheid with the freedom of association. In his op-ed, he went on to uh, 